everybody. We are back from a long break with another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am, in case you've forgotten, because it's been a while, I am Brent Smith, um, and I'm joined by Michael Miller and Pastor Daniel Yelverton, and today we have a special guest joining us who has joined us a time or two before, Mr. Sean Mann. Hey, Sean, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. So, guys, as I said, we are back. Um, thank you for being patient. We took a break of about two weeks, I think it was. Um, Daniel and I took some uh, fun vacations and did some things, so um, we decided that it was just a, a proper time for us to maybe take a little break from the podcast. Michael's been here waiting patiently for us. It's sad. <laughs> it is. So, um, But we are back, and today we are on Galatians 2. So... Um, We'll go ahead and get into the setup for that, and just wanted to say again, thank you guys for your patience while we were gone. We are happy to be back. We always enjoy this podcast, and um, we you've missed about 45 minutes of conversation that we've been trying to catch up on, I think, <laughs> since we were back, yeah. or since we were away. So um, anyway, uh, Daniel, can you give us a little bit of a setup, some uh, context on Galatians, please, since it's only chapter two that we're into? Today. Yeah, sure. Um, and we'll be jumping around from different, like, Paul's uh, letters, so we've just done Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and now we're in Galatians. And um, Galatians is a uh, or Paul planted a church in Galatia, and um, and then continued on his missionary journeys. And this is so. This is after the council in Jerusalem. We see in Acts chapter fifteen. So after um, Peter, James, and John, and all of the apostles in Jerusalem sent out letters to all the churches, like in Antioch and all the other areas uh, of basically. What's required now as a follower of Jesus? Because um, the followers of Jesus, or, or the way as they called it, started out of Judaism. And so all of the first uh, Christians were Jews. And so they had integrated a lot of their Jewish traditions, Jewish laws, uh, into their faith with Jesus. And then, but now the church is growing. There's a lot of Gentiles. And so they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? Well, how do we... Do we require people to follow uh, the old laws of Judaism or, you know, is, is that is are we done with that? Are we you know, did Christ die to set us free from that? And so Paul is going to kind of go into that. And so what happened is, is you have these these Judaizers or these um, kind of false teachers, as Paul refers to them, that are going around and, and basically sabotaging a lot of the ministry that's going on in the Gentile churches by telling all these Gentiles that they need to become Jewish. And so uh, Paul is uh, is mad. I mean, this is a, this is this is where you. I was get, going to ask you that. Like, what when man, you read this, what lens do you take? Because I, I feel the same way. Like when I read this, I hear I hear angry. I hear angry Paul. Yeah, this is this is definitely <laughs> angry Paul. Like he says some things, and you're like, wait, is that in the Bible? Yeah. And, um, and so specifically in uh, chapter five. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Just so, so you know, we do not get angry Paul in our reading today. No, we yeah we don't get angry Paul. Um, but but so and I think that. He is he's he's upset because they are really they're polluting the gospel and they're and it, once you pollute the gospel it's no, it's no longer the gospel yeah. you know and so you're going back to the old ways and you're resurrecting the old system and the old way of um of trying to be right with God which actually didn't work Jesus came to 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 make that all right and to give us the way that actually would work to being right with God. And so that's why Paul is so upset because these people are they're basically trying to enslave the people back into like old ways of of trying to justify themselves by their works and by their actions and by the things that you do. And so, 
So yeah, Paul's pissed. I mean, yeah, we'll just throw yeah. it out there. He's right, mad. Yeah. Yeah. And so you'll see that in, uh, you'll see that even in the first chapter, he's like, you know, why, who cast a spell on you? Why are you guys doing this? You know? And so I think it's kind of cool to see Paul in that light, you know, cause he seems like kind of really nice and meek and mild and stuff like that. But then like, he'll throw out this letter and it's just like, it's, you know, <laughs> this is the reason why when we, as we went through first and second Corinthians, how we've talked about how there's really four letters to the Corinthians yeah. because like in first Corinthians, he talks about the letter that he already wrote them. And in second Corinthians, he talked about the harsh letter. <laughs> when we read things like here in Galatians, this is the reason why we have the context to say there must be a letter missing because we know what Paul is capable of. And first Corinthians isn't a harsh letter from Paul. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of the context to this. And basically the, the whole, the, the point of the letter to the Galatians is an understanding of the true gospel and what Christ came to do. And now what do we, what does our life look like after that? And Paul really goes into, just to explain that, that's his main goal, I would say, in this entire letter to the Galatians is that they would understand the gospel, how they are justified, and what their life looks like after that. Mm. Okay. Cool. Thank you, Daniel. So we will go ahead and get into our reading for today, um, Galatians 2 from the Dwell app. Then, after fourteen years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, 
fearing the circumcision party and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel I said to Cephas before them all if you though a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners is Christ then a servant of sin certainly not for if I rebuild what I tore down I prove myself to be a transgressor for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law then Christ died for no purpose All right, and we are back. That is Galatians 2 from the Dwell app today. Um, as we said, you did not get angry Paul in that reading today. Um, we love the Dwell app. It is one Paul. of our favorite things, but that's a pretty sedated Paul when it comes to uh, to the but anger that was Cephas being expressed. to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. <laughs> what? You don't say I opposed someone to their face like that. <laughs> but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. In like, the come on. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that, that was our reading. Um, I, I did like the fact that it was slower for the fact that you're going to catch everything that they're saying in True. there. Um, so <laughs> it is what it is. But we did have a little fun with that uh, while the reading was happening. But um, <laughs> anyway, and see, when we Facebook Live, you'll be able to see all this stuff. Oh, yeah. But anyway, getting to the reading, to the chapter of the day, um, what do you guys want to touch on first when we get into this? I think that uh, <laughs> what Paul's doing here is he's laying a groundwork for his kind of... Um, because he, he basically says he didn't want to run this race in vain. He didn't want to teach in vain. And so he's laying this groundwork for the Galatians, for the Galatian church, of, of his why this is so important and why uh, where he's where he stood on this the whole time. Because this whole kind of conflict with Peter is really interesting. Like Michael said, he's like, he's calling him out. Like yeah. he's like, you know, and this is for us. I mean, he didn't know that this was going to be in our scriptures, but now, like forever, like Peter is immortalized in I this think it's whole. Awesome. Like, I know exactly. <laughs> um, this is right. This is right up there with John 
uh, saying that he's faster than than Peter yeah. in his gospel. <laughs> he's like, uh, he ran to the tomb. He's like, and the disciple who Jesus loved right. was so know, much faster Peter. than that slow, you know, chunky that's Peter. great when these things become scripture. Well, poor Peter, because he got called rock too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so Jesus, so Jesus <laughs> calls him a rock. <laughs> like, he's dumb as a rock, right? He's also the the rock, the rock which yeah. we built. You know, Jesus built the church, right? But he's dumb as a rock. Let's be honest. And then, sorry, Peter, I don't think he's listening to the podcast, so we're good. I did like that you just pointed to heaven when you said sorry, <laughs> Peter. Though. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> but he's dumb as a rock, and he's slower than John. And here he's getting called out by Paul. Man, that's rough. Yeah, that is rough. And he denied Jesus <laughs> yeah. three times yeah. before the rooster crowed. So, oh, oh poor guy, man. man. And but, he's the rock the church is built on. So, there you but go. I think it it does highlight <laughs> that there is some serious issues in the early church. Yeah, I mean, let's just say it. There's there's division everywhere. There's always there's division that we deal with now. That mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. um and the uh, this early church is no different, and it's really toxic. And that's why Paul I think is so opposed to this. And I mean, Jesus prayed for one thing. He prayed for unity for the church. You know, in John seventeen. And so this is so important. And uh, the church that's divided will not stand, you know? And mm-hmm. so like a house divided itself, Jesus said that will not stand. Uh, that wasn't Abraham Lincoln that said that. That was actually <laughs> Jesus that said yeah, that. Yeah, um, right. And so uh, I think this is, this is uh, Paul. I think, I think that's why he's taking such a strong approach to this is because this is absolutely like toxic and would sabotage the church. Imagine if he failed. <clears throat> yeah. Imagine that. We'd have, I don't know, maybe 40,000 denominations. Well, we do. So, no, but I mean, like, yeah. seriously, like, I mean, like, like this is, this, this is there. This is always there. This, and you're right. I mean, I'm, I think that if, if the church was separated and it was the Gentile church and, and the, and the Jewish church, it doesn't do, I don't think it's not effective at all. It's Man, not. This, dude, this really hits our culture today because I hadn't even thought about this until like literally right now, <laughs> but the way that they handled this was interesting instead the way we would handle this today is well i guess i guess peter and his dudes they're going to go make a church peter and james and those guys and paul and barnabas and these guys they're going to go make a church we'll just split off we're friendly i love you you guys are doing great things we're going to go and now we have two denominations you know mm-hmm. that's how we would handle it today yeah our churches would split which we have church splits oh, yeah. all the time yeah. right well I- even even mm-hmm. when you have people that don't go to different denominations like, well, we like this music and y'all like this music. I guess we can't reconcile, so we're split and see you later. Yeah. And now we have two churches and we'll call it a mission, you know? Like, I think I think there's something to, to learn here is that they, they came together. They wrestled with this these things. Mm-hmm. And and they came, they went to this this meeting in Jerusalem and they had this council and, and they came away with some rules and that, you, that you could find in Acts 15. And, uh, you know, and, th- and then Paul writes to try to synthesize this stuff and, and say, like, this is where we go from here. And yeah, he's upset, but this is really good stuff. And and he is angry at people who are messing stuff up. He is angry at people that came in here and preached a different gospel than he what he was preaching. But he but he stood up and he, and he said what he needed to say to try to to give unity to the church. And so I I hear this loud and clear to myself. Like, you know, when you when you point fingers, you have all the fingers pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. I'm a really peaceful dude. I like to be like, everybody's okay. We're going to get through this. And I love you, but I love you too. I understand both your perspectives. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we have to not do that. Sometimes we have to be like Paul here and stand up for what's right and say, no, 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 no. Let's, let's figure this thing out, but let's figure out what's right. Let's not just compromise. Let's both of us figure out the right thing 
and let and let's exercise what's what's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he did. Yeah. And there and there's that <laughs> another another rusty pause. Right? No, no, exactly. <laughs> so would you guys would you guys agree with with um with Paul approaching Peter in the sense of you know what he did was wrong was what he did was wrong was it wrong? You to, mean like Paul's to, like way of approaching Peter was wrong? Yeah, yeah. Do you think it was? Do you think what Peter did was wrong for uh, you know hanging out with those who are uncircumcised? No, what he did was wrong was pulling away from him. Yeah. Because it was hypocrisy mm. against the gospel. It was it was him worrying more about what the people, the Judaizers or whatever you were calling them, mm-hmm. what they would think than mm-hmm. than um what Jesus would think. But he brings up a great question. I'm sure yeah. like all of our listeners are, are like it's easy to miss this. Yeah. So what's what actually happens here is Peter, he um you know, he's got this revelation too that that the whole Gentile thing is cool, right? Mm-hmm. But not all of his boys are thinking the same thing. So he's playing both sides here, right? right? Mm-hmm. So he's eating with Gentiles, and when he gets caught, he's like, "Oh man, my bad. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I really wasn't doing that, or I didn't mean it, or whatever. You know." And then Paul's like, "No, dude, no. Which way is it, you hypocrite?" Right. And then and he calls him out as being a hypocrite. Yeah. So it's not the eating with the. And, and I could see when you read that, it could look like, like it's wrong to eat with the Gentiles, and that's not the point. The point is, is that he's doing that. And then trying to play nice with the guys that are against that, and, and again, Paul's pretty tough here. I mean, he's he's pretty much lays at the smackdown and be like, "No, hmm. y'all can't do that. Yeah, you, you can't talk out of one side of your mouth. No, you can't you can't play that game." And so mm-hmm. he he calls yeah. uh, Peter out for doing that. Yeah, right so, out of one side, you can't talk out of both sides. There, there you go. go. There. Yeah. Sorry about that. But to talk out of both sides, you do have to talk out of one side at a time. So you're okay. <laughs> I, I want to. I, I want. This is why we need Facebook Live. I'm trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth right, right now. And I want to talk other side, but no one can see. <laughs> Daniel's trying to do it. He looks like a frog. <laughs> um, so, uh, Daniel, I know that um, as the reading, as we were listening to the reading today, as it went through, um, you brought up and you said verse 18 is the linchpin of all of this. Yeah. So, what, you want to touch on that? Um, so, <clears throat> this whole thing. Um, it's talking about justified by faith. And so Paul, basically 15 through 21, is just really powerful scripture because um, it's talking about like, so we know that we're justified by Jesus and not by the law because the law is the one that uh, as, that condemns us. And then he even says, so if we're following Jesus, is, G- is following Jesus going to lead us into sin? Mm-hmm. You know? And he's like, no, absolutely not. Jesus would never leave a, lead us into sin. Right. Right. And so... But Jesus built something new. And then he's saying, but if I rebuild what Jesus tore down, then I'm the sinner. It's mm-hmm. it's on me now mm. because I'm rebuilding something that has already been done. It's been torn down. The law was the guardian. And you'll see this later on in Galatians that he talks about the law was the guardian. It was a good thing. It was a thing that kept kind of people in, in alignment with God and his intentions, but it was also a magnifying glass onto their sin. Yeah. And it was obvious that they couldn't be justified by the law. And Paul says that in verse 21. He says that, you know, if, if righteousness— was through the law, then Christ died for no reason. I mean, that's that is just like, wow, yeah. like that that is so strong to think that, man, that if we try to be justified by our works and by the law, then Christ literally died for no reason and no purpose at mm. all. And so, Jesus entrusted us. He's not here anymore. He entrusted us with his message of reconciliation to become like him and to be make little Jesus followers. That's what they that's where the word Christian came from. It was little Jesus, little Christ. And so the, he entrusted us with that. 
But if we rebuild an old way, if we rebuild an old tradition, if we rebuild an old way of, of trying to be righteous or trying to be right with God on top of this new way, then we are actually opposed to Jesus and we are sinners in the process. And so that's why I think verse 18 is really big because that then we have to, uh, we have to evaluate then our lives, the way that we practice following Jesus. Are we rebuilding yeah. something that's been torn down? Yeah, are we right, are right. we clinging on to an old tradition, an old way of doing yeah. something? Is what we are doing separating us from other people? Because this is the that that's the big issue that Paul is opposing Peter is because he's distancing himself from other people yeah. because he says, Oh, you know, I really want to hang out with the Judaizers because they're my friends and we grew up together and you know, this is my this is what's comfortable for me. And so he ostracizes the Gentile believers. And Paul's like, nah, that's not cutting it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're that is that is creating distance and, and that's what he says division. before he even talks <clears throat> to Peter is that in verse uh ten yeah, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Paul is wanting to reach, you know, the poor, the unreached, the Gentile. Poor is a lot of times in Scripture, we, we look at it just financially. It's a lot of times it, it means outcasted. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's you're right. That's exactly what Paul wants to do. Mm-hmm. Sorry and, about that. No, no, you're fine. And so and that's why I think that this is such a, uh, I think it was Martin Luther, uh, the uh, the Reformation. Um, yeah. Uh, the Protestant Reformation guy in 1517, he said that the book of Galatians was his book. Like that was his book that he just like laid in and focused on because it is all about how are we right with God? And if we're right with God through Jesus and following Jesus, that's why, that's why he says, Paul says this, and this is a very common uh, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so there's this new life that's happening, and it's through Jesus. The old self is gone. The old way is gone. The old way of trying to become right with God didn't work anyways, and so it's gone. But if we try to rebuild it, and then we use that as a way of Honestly, it's differentiating ourselves from other people. It's confidence in our own abilities. I mean, that's really what's going on. These Judaizers were confident in their Judaism, and so that was distancing them from other believers. And so anything that we have internally and anything within our faith that is distancing us from other people is doing exactly what Paul is opposing here and is rebuilding on something that's been torn down by God because through Jesus there's no hostility between any people and and he was fulfilling the promise of Abraham that that God was going to make children of all nations. And so if we ever distance ourselves from anybody apart then then what we're doing is we're building something different off of Jesus and that's, you know. So so in short would you say like in in your view that it's not about the the rules as much as it is about people. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely because when when it's Christ living in us now, people become the most valuable, most holy things on planet Earth. You know, they're the temple. You know, Paul says that later on, and so so nothing is more sacred than a person. You know, what's interesting with that is thinking about that perspective. I think you're onto something because if you look at, for lack of better better words, the rules that mm-hmm. we see repeated in the New Testament, yeah. the things that are thrown out from the Old Testament are things that really don't deal with relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, we can have bacon. It doesn't hurt anybody if you have bacon. 
Yeah. Except for the pig. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like most of the oh, rules babe. that we see and, and, and oh, listen, guys, a pig's not a person. All right. But, but, unless it's Porky Pig and that's a different story. That's some pig. Yeah, no. <laughs> Charlotte's Web. But, but, you know, like the rules that we have repeated are like, don't commit adultery. Why? Because it hurts people yeah. when you do things like that. You know, we still we still shouldn't lie. We shouldn't shouldn't cheat or steal. Like those kinds of things hurt people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's and and another thing that sometimes when you see things that you're like, well, what do you mean, Michael? Like witchcraft is repeated because the the things that come out of paganism hurt people. The practices that they do, you know, sacrifices and and that the 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 sexual immorality that comes out of that. All the things that come from that hurt people. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the New Testament, most of all that has to do with relationships. And the things that you should do help people. Yes. You know, I mean, loving others, encouraging one another, bearing one another's burdens, serving one another. Mm -hmm. Those are the imperatives that we get from the New Testament. And they all have to do with helping people, not, you know, distancing ourselves from people or differentiating ourselves from people. That's an old way. That's, that's That's something that Christ tore down. Yeah. I think that's something that, that Paul, and I mentioned this earlier, and I got some funny looks in the room, but I think this is that something that Paul struggled to articulate. Yeah, because, I'm glad you brought that up. I was because what, about that. what it looks like, he says over and over again, is like, hey, guys, you know, the, the law is dead. We don't have to obey the law. Should we throw the, the law away? No. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. He goes back and forth, and, and, and then he says things like, like we see in Romans 6. Where where he where he just gets under Romans five talking about how how Jesus paid it all and then he's like well so we so can we go do whatever we want no and the reader's like what are you talking about Paul and, and I think this conversation speaks to the common sense that that Paul was trying to to talk to 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 broadcast that the law was a, a bunch of rules you know like uh, like check the box relationships are not check the box. Mm -hmm. We have guidelines in the New Testament that help us deal with each other, that help us build a relationship with God, that helps us to live in community. The New Testament really talks about each other and, and how we deal with relationship. And so we do need to obey those things. So, But we don't have to worry about whether we have a poly wool blended shirt. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't matter with your relationship. It doesn't. You're right. So so that would make a fool of Christ if he died for us, for our relationship with him and with others. And what Jesus is trying to do, if, if we go back to this old like law system and we stop dealing with relationships, then we make a fool of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus talked about relationships. A lot of what he preaches has to do with the least of these, mm-hmm. right? The first shall be last, the last shall be first, and giving water to the thirsty, giving food to the hungry, all those things. Jesus talks about how to, to relate with each other. And then more in the New Testament, we see how, how to do church together. We see how to treat each other. We see relationship, relationship, relationship. And I think that's the difference. It's not about following a checklist. It's about having relationship with other people. So I have a question for you guys, and we'll have to wrap up pretty soon. Um, so I think it goes back, I think a lot, everything that we've been talking about for at least the last 10 minutes or so, um, goes back to uh, Daniel mentioning Jesus' prayer for unity. So as a church, I know that our main mission is to take the gospel to the world and to love other people and show Jesus to them. How much of that mission do you think 
should be or is implied that we try to find a way to unify the church? Like, does it just happen through us doing the gospel and loving people? Or is it something that we need to take as a mission upon ourselves to try to go out and start to unify the church again? And this is a good advertisement point because here soon our church is going to be giving a uh, a sermon series that's good, that we're going to call it One Voice. Mm-hmm. And um, part of, of who we are becoming at this church, at Elevation Community Church, is we're wanting to, to resource and partner with other churches. And I think that it has to be part of your your mission, part of your vision, part of your culture. As churches, we have to decide to partner with other churches. So I do think that it's not just something that organically happens. I think we have to do it with intention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we say that, oh, well, it'll just happen because we're Christians. No. <laughs> then we yeah. have 40,000 different denominations. And, and honestly, and we keep splitting. this gets me fired up because I feel passionate about this, um, about going out and reaching to other churches. I think... Uh, it's been kind of part of my whole journey. I've shared with you guys before about I went and spoke to churches in Northern Ireland and it was just basically like, look, it's just Jesus. Like if we can just distill it back down to Jesus, we can all put our differences aside. And I think so many denominations have, well, no, it's our way. We're right. Everybody else is wrong. And if you're not doing it our way, then you're not part right. of us. Yeah, We've got to find a way to focus on our similarities mm. and let our differences go to the wayside. You can still do it your way, and we'll do it our way. But as long as Jesus is the center, the center, then like that's it. And I, I yeah. think that that it, that can be the simplest yeah. thing to take to people. Now, yeah. if they'll accept it, and if they'll hold your hand and and walk with you as you go to other churches, now that's a different story. But um, that's what prayer is for, right? And that's something <laughs> that like we it seems like I talk about this every, every time Sean's around. Um, I don't know why, but but. Um, <laughs> When when denominate, I think it's because you come from from across the street, the Nazarene, not across the street, but down the road at the Nazarene Church. We have a couple differences between you know who we are here and who the Nazarene Church you know is there. But in the end, a lot of our small differences end up being so tiny that we actually can partner with each other. We can work through those differences and help people, mm-hmm. and, and I think that we need to do that more and more and more. Yeah. yeah. What are some What are some barriers, Sean, that you've seen even just from not only from church, but also just as the church relates to itself, but also as the church relates to other people uh, outside the church? What do you think are some barriers that you've even seen as you're in your faith journey? Some barriers inside the church. Some from... ba- some barriers that prevent this type of unity or this type of perspective mm. of. So you're talking yeah. between denominational churches. Not only denominations, but I was also just saying, like, what's a I barrier think... that prevents the church from being able to go out and accomplish the mission, like gotcha. to distance oh, itself okay. from yeah. the world too. Yeah. So, so what I've seen, um, I've seen personal convictions being playing a big role in that. Mm-hmm. That you know, well, it's not right for me, so it shouldn't be right for you. So you shouldn't do that. Mm, yeah. So obviously, there's a you know huge barrier there that I've seen. What are some examples thing. of that? You think? Um, <laughs> I put you on, put you on the spot, bro. Yeah. Hey, Welcome freely. to the podcast. It's getting hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of that is you know the clothes we were talking about. That and um, Michael was talking about the the sweater. You know, the sweater thing. That's been a it's been a big barrier um, over the last fourteen to sixteen years. Me, you know, being in different churches, um, and maybe it's a hat that I'm wearing, or I don't have the right attire on, like the right pants, or maybe sure. my shirt's not right, or something like that, and I, and I didn't feel welcome, mm-hmm. you know, in a specific building that way. And Daniel, you were talking about, um, you know, division in a church, and you know, if we could all just put down those differences, mm-hmm. those things right there, those small things, and just look at people truly. For who they are, 
you know, that just imagine the, the power of unity in the yeah. church. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's Paul. It, Paul says, like, you know, they asked us to remember the poor. Mm-hmm. So they just said, all right, serve people, love people, make that the priority, not necessarily what you wear. I think of yeah. some other things like like tattoos or like, you know, choices about like to drink alcohol at all, well, you know? You can, know you, d- can you tell a story that Carl Lentz, like that, that the story oh, that he told man, is yeah. one to me that's like, yeah. That's that really is going to draw everybody's conviction because it's like, are are you okay with that? Yeah, are you willing to go that far and realize that this mm -hmm. building, this church building, not the church Mm -hmm. people, is just a building? Right. Right. Go ahead if you want. Yeah, sure. So Carl Lentz is a uh, he's the pastor of Hillsong, New York, and a large church. I think it's in Manhattan. I don't know if it's located outside. Yeah, and so. Um, well, obviously a melting pot of people and of, of issues. And so, yeah. uh, he was on his way to church and there was a homeless guy, uh, and he invited him to come to church and he said, I couldn't, I can't come, you know, I can't, I, one, he's, he's probably feeling the barrier of being homeless, but also he's like, I can't go in there without having a drink. Like I, you know, I'm, this is, this is who I am. I he's need that I, much of an alcoholic. Yeah. Is yeah. that, is that much of an alcoholic? And he's like, and so Carl was like, well, don't let that stop you. And this is the pastor of the church. Yeah. He's like, Oh, he, and so he went and he bought him a beer and he brought him into the church and he sat in the front row and he was, you know, getting into it. He was, he was drinking his beer, but he was, he was there and he gave his life to Jesus that day. Yeah. And, uh, later on, uh, Carl had a, a wow. uh, Carl Lentz had a conversation with somebody within the church that was so mad that there was somebody in the front that was drinking alcohol in church that was so irreverent. And, and so it was basically, he, he took it, he listened to them, he heard their requests, he heard their complaint, and but they missed it because this guy gave his life to Jesus and yeah. he went from death to life that day. And it was a beer that brought him into the church so that he yeah. could be, so he could meet Jesus. Yeah. And you and, talk about a barrier, you talk about yeah, a wall that huge. a lot of people can't get past or won't get past. Mm-hmm. And all you had to do was let him bring that in and he gave his life to Jesus that day. Yeah. And I think, because I think we're, there's this, there's this issue that we have. I think when, as as the, sorry, I'm starting a little bit. But God <laughs> built us to be connected. Mm-hmm. His intention was to make people into the body of Christ, yeah. the entire world into the body of Christ. We like connection, but in our fallen world, we like connection that's easy mm-hmm. and we like connection that's common and doesn't require a lot of effort. And so we find ourselves congregating to people that are yeah. like us. Yeah. Comfortable. And so, um, so anyway, so when Jesus came to kind of break those barriers, people got really offended by that. Sure. Right. And so, and I think people, we get offended by it today Absolutely. and that like, we want people to believe and be like us before they get a chance to even encounter Jesus and allow Jesus mm-hmm. to change them. And and so we're expecting them to become followers of Jesus and to experience gospel and to experience transformation by their own power and by our laws and regulations, which is exactly what Paul is totally opposing here, that it has to be through Jesus or Jesus died for nothing. And so that's a, th- I think a question we have to ask ourselves. Are, are, is the way that we're living expecting people to act like us without a relationship with Jesus? Because if that's the case, then Jesus isn't necessary. Jesus mm-hmm. is not necessary to to be right with God. If we are expecting other people who haven't, uh, other people that haven't met Jesus to become like us and like Jesus through uh, exterior, uh, like uh, I guess, life choices and different things like that, mm-hmm. and and that's where. 
you know, we create this us versus them mentality. It is. Yeah. And, you know, my, I think my biggest check in that, that story with the Carl Lentz thing is for me, I would be okay with that because it, to me, that's not a barrier. It's just, it's getting a person in to be exposed to Jesus and, and, yeah. and, and it, their life was changed. Their soul was saved that day. But for me and being a part of a church, I would worry about what others would think. And how, do, like you, how do you get past that? Yeah. yeah. You know, cause you yeah. don't want to, you don't want to tear your congregation apart because of something like and that either. But, and that's what I was thinking about too, is, is when Daniel was speaking, talking about Carl and what he was doing, I was, I was thinking of the, the scripture that says, you know, do what's pleasing to God, not what's, not what's pleasing to others, yeah. you know? And that is, that's, that is huge because he took that upon himself right there. That, you know, this is going to be pleasing to God. I just feel this is right. It's what I need to do. Yeah. And he didn't say, Hey, let me go talk to the board. Let me go talk to the church and I'll come back out. He just let's, Come on in, let's go. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I brought it up a little while ago, but I think a lot of people, they view their church building as this holy place. And the the mm-hmm. church body of believers, us human beings, our, you know, our fleshly bodies and our spirits, we are the church. Yeah. And I think that we put so much reverence in the building because that's where we meet yeah. with God so much. Yeah. I think that we put up rules and we rebuild a lot of what Jesus tore down because it's our church building and we Man. think we can't defile that place, that holy place, but it's not the holy temple anymore like it was in the tabernacle. It is us now. Mm-hmm. You know. Brent, could you imagine if we believe that? Mm. Like we're supposed yeah. to. But could you imagine if we believe that? Like the reverence that people think about when you walk into a sanctuary today. You know, people walk in there with this reverent fear and like they tell their kids, hey, don't run. You're in the sanctuary. <laughs> right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you know, stay off the stage. This is the sanctuary. This, you know, this is the holy ground. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like my life. <laughs> my <laughs> right? my but, son beating on the drums. <laughs> I feel you. I got, I got kids that are rotten too. I get it. But, but what I'm saying is like we do that. But imagine if we recognized people as sanctuaries because that's what happened. Yeah. Jesus has left the building and he resides in you. <laughs> yeah. So true. That's like so for true. real. Sorry, I just thought about Elvis, but yeah. Like. <laughs> so like think about that. Jesus re- resides in Daniel. Yeah. So I should treat Daniel like like I like I want to treat the sanctuary. I shouldn't run all over him. Yeah. I shouldn't go go up there and bang on the drums and go hit him in the head. You know, like I should treat I should treat Daniel with respect and honor and love because the Holy Spirit resides in that man. Yeah. Mm. Right? Now I don't know about Sean Brent, right? <laughs> but Daniel Paul and, <laughs> What about Paul and Peter? <laughs> what about Paul and Peter? We already met them brother. <laughs> yeah. But but you see what I'm saying? The the point is is yeah. that is that as you know, we we should treat each other like when we think about the temple, we think about the sanctuary, Amen. we should treat each other with that kind of love and respect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we need to also treat others um, with that potential, you know, so the people that aren't following Jesus, that they are potential, mm. you know, houses for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so to honor and respect them and to love them and to try to do whatever we can to bridge that gap, because that's the most important thing. Yes. You know, not that they conform to anything that we look like or act like or anything like that. You know, I mean, culture happens, you know, culture, yeah. you're, there's always going to be some sort of uh, people getting together and the culture is going to be built from the people that are there. But really when you are there and, you know, and you have the opportunity to be Jesus to somebody and to change a vessel from death to life, that's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that would ever mm-hmm. differentiate that, whether socioeconomic status, life choices, you know, um, 
sexual orientation, all that stuff. Yeah. No. I mean, those are yeah. that is a potential res- residence of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I think that we we need to uh, treat and honor, but and but love people so that they can yeah. see what it's like to be uh, that to be that and, vessel. And wasn't it Paul? Um, in and obviously a, a different different book where he said, you know, if you could just sum up all the Ten Commandments into this one: love God as your, you know, your whole, you know, your mind, soul, strength, mm-hmm. everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, you know, it's going to be okay. You yeah, Paul right. said it. Jesus said it. That's that's an important it's, thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty. Pretty good. <laughs> one, one, la- one last thing, because Sean said something jokingly that he actually made a good point in his question. Because I'm like, oh, we should love each other and all these things. He's like, yeah, like like how <laughs> like how Paul was loving on Peter here. Yeah. But <laughs> when he said, but you know what? When he said that, I thought of Brent in a good way, because we were talking about the temple, we're talking about the sanctuary, and talking about people and that kind of metaphor. What did I do? Something good. One thing that he did is he turned our stage into this like black hole into this beautiful thing. Yeah. So he worked on the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he purchased some items and he, and he and he put his his almost his blood because we were he was climbing climbing up on a ladder that wasn't exactly stable. You know, he he, he church life. He risked his own <laughs> life. You know, yeah, exactly. But, but he put blood, sweat, and tears. Into making the building better. Mm. There are times when we're working with other people, like how Paul was working mm. with Peter, that we do put our blood, sweat, and tears into other people, and it it, oh, it doesn't always come off as gentle and kind. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but love doesn't always come off that way, and this is not an excuse to go be mean to people all the time. Like, no, see, Michael said no. It, it must be rooted in love. Like Brent's work, it was rooted in love. Yeah. He he wasn't putting up the stuff because he hates the place. He wasn't putting up the stuff because he wants to destroy it or because he wants to puff up his ego. Because I know Brent, and as I'm talking about this, he's uncomfortable with me even mentioning this. <laughs> right? My hand's about raw. So, so like, <laughs> taking it my hand. So, but, so here the point, it's not about your ego and it's not about you having the opportunity to tear someone down. It is about love, but yeah. there are times when, when love is tough. When, exactly. when, when love is work. Mm-hmm. When love is difficult yeah so yes love people but there are times when love is tough yeah i want to share one little thing real quick um and then daniel if you would pray us out pray for unity um but uh so i have an uncle who and this is not to pump up our church this is just to kind of point out another barrier kind of thing you know a simpler barrier barrier than somebody bringing alcohol into a church Mm. um but i have an uncle my mom's oldest brother, and he lived his whole life. He's like 70-something now, 72, 75, I don't remember. But um, he's lived his whole life in defiance of God, of Christianity, because um, the way that it was put on him when he was a child pushed him away from it, and he just rooted his foot in the ground, and his whole life he's lived against it and never believed in it, never gave it a chance. Now that he's getting older, he's facing mortality, doesn't have any kids. He's coming around our family a lot more. And I'm seeing a massive shift in him um, and who he is because he's just, his perspective is changing on life and on things. Um, But he comes to this church when he's in town and um, he actually, sorry if I get a little emotional, but he was here a couple weeks ago and he lives in Ashland, Kentucky. And he came up to me and he said, Hey Brent, how, you know, how are you doing? How are you liking your job? And I said, I love my job. I said, it's the dream job. I never knew I wanted until I took it. It's my calling, and I didn't know that I was even supposed to be doing this. And he was like, I'm so happy to hear that. And he said, you know what? He said, I've never liked church. I've never done church. It's never been my thing. He said, but when I come here, he said, I love this church. 
Mm. He said, because I get to come in and I can just dress how I dress. He's like, I don't have to put on a suit and tie to come in. He said, I get to come as I am. He literally used those words, which I say that because that's something that we say Mm -hmm. as our church. We say, come as you are. He said, I get to come as I am, dressed how I am. And he's old, you know, and he's had a couple strokes, so he kind of hobbles a little bit when he walks and stuff. So he said, I get to come as I am, dressed as I am. He said, I really love the message, and I really love the way you guys do your music. And he said, I get to sit in the back. And I can just get up, go to the bathroom when I need to in the middle of the service, come back and sit back down, take it all in. He said, can you find me a church like this in Ashland that mm. I can start going to? Nice. Wow. And just some something about what we're doing, he loves it because it, it took those barriers down that pushed him out for a long time. Yeah. He gets to dress however he dresses. I mean, we have people that come here that have tattoos that ride their Harley in and they're wearing leathers when they come into church. Like mm-hmm. we don't care, but I mean, and it's not to pump us up and say that we're great, but it, I think it's to show the example of a lot of those barriers don't matter as much as people have made them matter. That's right. And I think that if the church is going to be unified and if it's going to reach more people for the kingdom, we have to be willing to let go of some of these things from the tabernacle that aren't necessary anymore that we implement all the time. Man, that'll preach. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. So anyway, Thank you um, for sharing, Brent. That's really yeah. good. If you'd yeah. Oh, I've oh, missed you guys. <laughs> I know. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, all right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you made all of this possible, that you are able to break down just years, years of hostility, years of of just distance that people have had with, with you um, just by showing your love through the way that we live. Jesus, help us not to miss it. Jesus, we repent and we ask for forgiveness for all the times that we have just prioritized other things, exterior things, uh, life choices, whatever they may be, over the gospel of Jesus, knowing that you have the ability to live through us, that your love has the ability to come through us, and you loved everyone. You love the sinners. You love the prostitutes. You loved the worst of society. And so, God, help us to help us to become more like you, to be marked so much by love that people will not need to necessarily encounter anything in the Bible that they could encounter just us and by the way that we live and they could see that there's something different. Uh, God, may we break down barriers of disunity within the church and within our world, and within our nation, and within our cities, and uh, towns all over the world, God, may we just be uh, proponents of unity. May we just, may we just be, may that be a banner for us, uh, that we would uh, pursue that above all else, that we would strive for peace as much as it pertains to us, and as much power that we have to make peace with other people. May we put that effort in, and uh, Lord, may we just continue to be marked by you, uh, may they call us little Christ by the way that we love and by the way that we serve and by the way that we sacrifice our life, our time, our money, and our effort for other people. And God, I just pray for all the listeners here. I pray for all the listeners, God, that they would, um, they would be radically transformed by the goodness of the gospel, that wherever they are, if they're in their car, in their home, at their workplace, um, God, that, that you would just overwhelm them right now with your Holy Spirit. And they would feel just your presence and your goodness. And God, may that just change wherever they're going. If they're going into the next room, 
God, may the atmosphere change because they are Jesus' representative there. If they're going into their office, if they're going into a coffee shop, wherever they may be going, God, may they bring your transforming transforming power by the way that they live, by the way that they act, and by the way that we love people. Uh, so, Jesus, thank you that you chose us from long ago, that you made this all possible by your death and resurrection. And now that you have given us new life, thank you that you made a way because there was no other way. We were we were doomed. We had no hope, but you gave us hope. So, Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Daniel. Guys, thank you. Uh, Sean, thanks for joining us again thanks today on the podcast. Um, guys, thanks for sticking around and, and uh, coming back to be on the podcast after a two-week break. <laughs> but... Um, Guys, as we leave you today, um, I just wanna I just wanna send you out with a challenge for this week. I want you to look at your interactions with people, your relationships with people, and and just take another look at those barriers that you might have that you feel are places that you can't go. It's a it's a place too far for you to be able to reach. Um, just reevaluate those things, and if you land back in the same place, it's fine. But it, I think it's always a healthy practice to reevaluate those things, especially after the conversation that we've had today. Um, and just I'll leave you with what I always leave you with until we talk to you next time go out and be Jesus to each other really go out and be Jesus to each other and and analyze those barriers and see if Jesus would have had those same barriers as you interact with people in the world so until we talk to you next Tuesday um, we love you guys we're glad to be back glad to be back here with you and um, just take care of each other we'll see you next week